absolutely, without a doubt, she saved my life because there's no way that I could continue at 33 stone. I was lucky, I'd had all my blood tests and everything and I would, there were no, none of the usual health risks involved with being morbidly obese or super morbidly obese and there's nothing super about it. But I was lucky that none of those things, you know, the, the, the diabetes or, or whatever, the cholesterol and all that sort of stuff, none of that, I, I, I didn't register on any of those scales. But I know I dodged the bullet. Mm. And so I went back to see her, um, having lost 10 stone, um, and, and gave her a card. Um, oh. It was quite emotional. Um, first time I'd seen her for, uh, in that period, dropped the card off and kind of just broke down like a blubbering wreck in the surgery and sort of said thank you for yeah. giving me my life back, basically. Hello and welcome to another episode of Slimming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Oldham-West. So how are you? How are you keeping during COVID? I hope all is well and that you've been enjoying the, the sunshine for those who are able to get out and about and walk in. Those that are still at work, I hope you're managing that okay. And I was thinking the other day when I was in the supermarket, you know, all the people that are off work or are on furlough, in a way, it must be really hard for those that are working and just still having to, to carry on. So I am really grateful for those working in the supermarkets and the hospitals and providing as much normality to this craziness as possible. And talking about craziness, my husband was given the task of helping me to do my roots because obviously there's no hairdressers and I've not got a lot of grey, but enough for me to think actually I need to be going to the hairdressers. I think my appointment was about four weeks ago. So he was tasked with doing my hair for me and that's what he did. And he was kind of laughing all the way through it because I think I was a bit nervous. We've tried to put the gloves on him and I think they feel like extra small hands or something. I think his glove size like an XL and we couldn't get any gloves to fit. And I was thinking, oh goodness, I'm not going to get my hair done after all. But managed to find these gloves to fit and my hair went fine. It was a bit painful in places when I was trying to comb it through and my hair's naturally curly. So... That was a bit of a task, but we managed to do it. And I think it's just a time with COVID just to be doing things out of your comfort zone. I've been baking this morning, something that I never take the time to do. And that was just lovely, just to do something that, you know, out of my comfort zone that I've really enjoyed. And I think Martin quite liked the do my hair, to be fair. I think it was quite amazing he actually managed to do it and it didn't go out blotchy or green or fall out. So I think he was quite relieved with that. Now, today's guest is Matt Toll. Matt Toll is... A fantastic guy that has lost a lot of weight. His start weight was over 33 stones and has lost a lot of weight. Has now lost over 12 stone of that weight. And this was all because of an honest conversation with the GP. And that's why it's so important to be honest, to speak up. If you're really struggling with the weight, you don't need to be. There's so, so much support out there. And thankfully, he was able to take action to change his weight and his health. And it's such a lovely, honest story. I can't wait for you to hear today's episode. So here's Matt Toll. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it's not unique to me. I've always had a problem with food or a, a strange relationship with food. Always, always remember being a child thinking I was the, the fat one, the big one from sort of 10 or so that was the that was the age when I was really aware of it um 
always the, the fat friend, always much bigger. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, they always say you look back on your pictures of yourself and realise you weren't as fat as what you thought. Uh, and that's definitely the case now. But um, always remember feeling much bigger than all of my peers and sort of making up for that with humour or just trying to fit in in, in other ways because I was always you know, the biggest in the class or the second biggest in the class or in, in any peer group. So always had a, a strange relationship with food, mainly, I don't know, maybe due to the way that we were brought up. When I was brought up, I'm 41 years of age now as of last week. So a child of the 80s and, uh, you know, we were brought up in a certain way. And then you get to sort of 10 or 11 and you've got a bit more freedom, a bit more independence and maybe go and spend some money down the shops and buy sweets and you know maybe you know it's not down to your parents what you eat so much then so quite a lot of it is but it lands squarely on my shoulders mm. so also a child of the 80s i discovered quite early on that i was given a set amount of money for my weekly spend on chocolate and rather than get a pack of chocolate bars and have those throughout the week I decided to buy a cheesecake and claim this cheesecake as my own. However, I'm sure there was probably around four times as many calories in that cheesecake than, than the chocolate bars. But food for me has been just like you've described a bit of a challenge. Like yourself, I was the second largest in my class and felt, felt really different. And it feels strange, doesn't it? When you are at that age and, and you start comparing yourself because it's it's not a nice feeling is it at all no no like you say you're you know you're kind of hitting puberty so you're aware of your own body anyway you're aware of your how your body's different to everybody else's and then it just takes that one comment from somebody uh you know whether it's in the changing rooms at school or or you suddenly realize that you're you know not as fast as somebody on sports day and literally you know i don't know where my problems come from but I always remember those sort of comments and feeling quite inadequate almost and sort of needing to make up for it in other ways. Mm. So sports day wasn't a delight for you then? It wasn't something that you looked forward to and treasured? No, I think, you know, again, I, I know I'm not the only person. I've read enough weight loss stories over the years to kind of have things that resonate with me and, you know, being that last one to be picked or second to last one or within the last sort of four or five people to be picked all the time for whatever team sports we were doing and not being particularly active and my family not being particularly active it was sports and outdoor activity and just stuff was not something we did as a family you know so my mum and dad aren't and still are well they're probably more active now than they've ever been but you know that we just didn't go out on bike rides as kids we didn't go out for long walks in in the meadows and all that sort of stuff it's just not it's not weird you know I, I led a different life so age 10 and armed with a little bit of independence and a bit of cash to to go to the shops what were your go-to foods oh i mean it's all i've always had i've always been a secret eater so lots of things that i can maybe eat without people knowing it would be sweets it would be it would also be this kind of the entrepreneurial bit of me uh, would always come out with food as well because i'd buy something and sell it for more money than I'd bought it for and then <laughs> use that money to buy even more food. Wow. Um, so like Genius. the school tuck shop would be 
you know, buy somebody a burger but charge them twice as much because they didn't have the money and then I would have enough money the next day for two burgers from the school top shop or right. a piece of flapjack or whatever it was. So, I mean, literally, I, I love food, full stop. There is no uh, sweet or savoury or big dinners. or I literally, you know, like, like lots of uh, overweight people, my problem is I like food. Um, mm. I, I can't. I have certain trigger foods, but I like right and we, we look to that that word don't we love in and i think that's sometimes the hardest thing when we start to address our food and our eating habits and that we associate it with love so for somebody to say right okay let's try and cut back on that you know for the first couple of weeks it might be okay then actually if if in your if in your intelligence you've associated food with love for so many years it's almost like why would I not want to be associated with love why would I not want to be love so of course I'm going to keep eating the, eating the food because all these years we've associated that word haven't we with food yeah. and I think like for me it was it was almost it wasn't always about having nice food or quality food it was more about if if five pound buys you a hundred grams of chocolate bar x or it buys you a thousand grams of chocolate bar Y, of course, it, and Y might be dreadful chocolate, but you're getting a thousand grams, you know, you're getting 10 times more chocolate for your money. So you would buy that. It was never about buying nice quality food and sort of respecting my body enough to put good stuff in. It was just about abundance food. So that you know, maybe the cheapest crisps or the cheapest chocolate or whatever was on multi-buy. It was never about you know, oh, I really want that. That's what I've got a craving for, and that will satisfy the craving. It was just the maximum amount of food possible for the for the money that you had available. Mm. And did you feel that, in a way, you were trying to make up for a loss of another kind with having this, like you say, abundance of food, and the way that you associated abundance with being feeling complete is is that something that you you, you could reflect on now at, at this know. time because you know I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate um in that you know uh, my mum and dad are both still alive um well they were as of two minutes ago um, so i'm assuming they're okay um and you know they they're still together and we have had a very happy childhood so it's not like i don't have a tale of, of woe that like some people do where something a traumatic event triggered weight gain or anything like that but I've always known to be slightly ashamed of that eating because I don't know it's, it's it's hard because when you're when you're big you don't want to eat in public because you know if, if the, in my eyes if the public sees a fat person eating that's the reason you're fat it's not because we eat because everybody has to eat you know mm. overweight people don't eat in public because for fear of the, the the comments in the street or or whatever that is you know i've had lot like like a lot of dieters i've had lots of failed attempts over the years i've always had the awareness of it it's not necessarily followed that i've had the motivation to do anything about it so i've offset my weight by fooling myself that i was happy by being that happy jovial person mm -hmm. the, if I call myself, then people can't call me. That kind of, and I know that yeah. a lot of people say that. You know, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. make light of my own situation before anybody else does. And I did that for sort of 15, 20 years, 
no no hassle at all literally you couldn't say anything about me that i hadn't already said about myself uh, therefore taking your power away from you that kind of attitude but it's only been really this time that i've had a, a plan that's been sustainable that i felt has worked for me and has certainly worked in the long term i've, I've had lots of failed attempts previously potions lotions all that stuff that people do that's, that works for a few weeks and has great results but whether because i've not addressed the root cause of why i overeat or whether it's because the, the plans themselves aren't sustainable i've always reverted back to air quotes normal eating and normal mm. eating read overeating right okay so at the moment you're following the slim world plan yeah how did you come to that decision that this was going to be something that you're going to take up and what was it like when you went through those doors so i had no intention at all of, of joining the slimmer world i didn't wake up one morning and have a revelation that oh my god i'm really big i need to join slimmer world to, to save my life um that's exactly what happened but it's not what was supposed to have happened so like lots of uh big people when you are when you're large you don't go and see your gp I haven't been to see my GP for about five years, mainly because if I went with a cold, uh, I, you're half expecting your GP to say, oh, you've got a cold because you're fat. And you've got a bad leg, it's because you're fat. You've got a you've bad back, it's because you're fat, you need to lose weight, et cetera, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So it just, you just don't go. And uh, I was nagged to go and see my doctor uh, by my partner over something completely, genuinely not weight related. And... I went and saw a, a locum GP who's just in there for a few weeks and uh, she dealt with the, the thing I was there for. And at the end of the consultation, she just sort of said, she sort of sat me down. And at this point I was well starting weight. So 33 stone plus struggling to half sit in the chairs with the, the fixed sides and not really being able to squeeze my, my bum in the seat, you know, mm. very awkward, but lots of, really heavy people will, will know what i'm talking about and she sort of said okay that's that dealt with now a question for you what are you doing about your weight and it was literally as as blunt as that and i sort of looked at her and she said no i'm being serious i'm a doctor and it would be remiss of me not to ask and if you tell me that everything's okay that's fine i won't bring it up again but if you want help i'm here hmm. uh, and i've never Never really thought of it like that. And so I sort of said, okay, what can you do for me? You know, and just thought, well, token gesture, I'll, I'll, I'll humor her for a bit. And she said, well, look, here's the things that I can offer you. You know, I'm allowed to offer you and you can have a slimmer world on referral, wow. which uh, I'm lucky is something that's, that's where I live. So for those that don't know what that is, it's uh, for certain parts of the country, your slimmer world is basically paid for by the NHS, by your GP for 12 weeks um the plan was originally to to take the slimmer world on referral lose the required 10 percent of weight loss and then i'd be a shoe in because of my size for uh, bariatric surgery whether that was you know gastric band or stomach staple whatever the whatever that operation would be but i would be a candidate for it having lost 10 mm. percent on slimmer world um went on holiday the next week went to tenerife and got all my paperwork through just before we went and that was all fine.
fine. And then I was kind of quite looking forward to it. I'd not really, not really thought about going to a slimming world. And then the dread hit me that knowing I was big, would the scales be enough to support me? You know, would the scales go right. up to the number that I knew I was? Having been too heavy for the scales at the surgery, I then started to have real dread of what what happens. You know, if I get to slim world and get told I'm too fat to know what my weight is, that's that was that was a real panic. So I actually rang the consultant from Tenerife, never spoke to her before, and sort of introduced myself and said I was coming to a club, and she put me immediately at rest and sort of said, look, the scales go up to 40 stone or whatever they go up to, so you should be absolutely fine. And I said I was worried about being the only man. And she assured me that, you know, there would absolutely be other men there, no problem. Um, got back off the holiday on the Friday, walked through the doors on the Tuesday. And of course, I was the only man. You know, that's... Um, <laughs> that's usual, that's normal. <laughs> but you know what? It, I mean, my, my partner does, uh, does the plant at home. She, uh, she does support me 100%, and, but she doesn't come to group. But I... I now find that I like being supported by the women in the group and they've all been absolutely fantastic and they've got behind us and you know like like any slimming group we support each other they've become friends outside of group as well as in group I would say to anybody doesn't matter whether the person sitting next to you is is male female or or whatever that person is there for the exact same reasons that you are so Mm. uh, once you once you get over yourself and get would you accept that you know is a support group and that's what you're there for so was this a surprise that you're in Tenerife looking forward to your holiday and while in Tenerife you're making this call this doctor really had an influence on you didn't she so that that is fantastic that you'd had all these previous trips to the doctors and you felt obviously a negative response but there was something about this lady that made you feel that you were supported yeah um i'd say i don't know what it was i i think of it now that she saved my life uh, and that sounds quite twee when you say it but absolutely without a doubt she saved my life because there's no way that i could continue at 33 stone i was lucky i'd had all my blood tests and everything and i would there were no none of the usual us health risks involved with being morbidly obese or super morbidly obese and there's nothing super about it but i was lucky that none of those things you know the 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 diabetes or or whatever the cholesterol and all that sort of stuff none of that i I didn't register on any of those scales but i know i dodged the bullet Mm. and so i went back to see her having lost 10 stone um, and and gave her a card it was quite emotional first time i'd seen her for in that period dropped the card off and kind of just broke down like a blubbering wreck in the surgery and sort of said thank you for for giving me my life back basically oh that's such a lovely story it's a lovely ending to a story isn't it that that it's not quite ended you're still on your journey but i'm just trying to picture how life was like on that holiday because i've been to tenerife i'm as pale as pale can be in fact i went to the coast couple of days ago and I got I'm sure I got some sort of sunburn and it was only like nine degrees I mean it's ridiculous 
so what was life like on holiday in Tenerife? And I know it's quite a hot country, isn't it, to visit? I mean, it affects every every part of your holiday without you knowing it. And you kind of just make, you can make excuses and say, this is fine. This, but I found holidays really stressful. Um, I used to find that, and I still kind of do, to be honest. I find that going on holiday is more stressful than, than not having a holiday. So my partner's the ones that she really wants holidays. But every part of it when you're overweight is a sign of dread or uh it's just uncomfort so from and i know you had claire shaw on a long while ago talking about airplane seats and i remember listening to her on your podcast and her saying about the the embarrassment of being asked to move and i was literally sort of nodding along with your podcast going that's happened to me that's happened to me yeah so not being able to fit in the airline seats not being able to squeeze your knees in having to kick your leg out in the aisle every every chance you get just because your legs don't quite fit in the gap because your, your thighs are too big. Stealing seat from a partner so that we could sit together and I me mean, not infringe on a, a stranger. Looking at restaurants and saying we can't eat there because look at the type of furniture they've got. I physically can't fit my bum in that seat and sit comfortably. Mm. Then looking at other furniture going, Will that furniture, is it plastic patio style furniture? Will it hold my weight? Am I going to break it? Am I going to embarrass myself? Looking at sunbeds going, oh, if I lay on that sunbed, I've got to do it in a certain way that if I try and turn over, am I going to break the sunbed? All of that became like dread. And we're lucky that where we go in Tenerife is a is a private owner's club. Uh, and most of the people that go there are slightly older. So they Oh, there's no body beautifuls there it's not celebrity love island or anything <laughs> like that so nobody is really looking at you when you're you know you've got your bits hanging out and and stuff but you're aware, and you're still aware of yourself and it, you you end up sunbathing and like you I'm quite fair skinned and so because you've got fat hanging where fat hangs you get massive red bits and then when you stand up straight you realize that underneath your chins you've got a big white patch where your double chin was you know you then look ridiculous walking around like a red and white panda or you know underneath your your man boobs you've got a big white bit because your man boob was you know protecting so you've got a red bit a white bit you you end up looking like you know some sort of lollipop it's not uh it's not pretty so yeah yeah that's uh that was the joys of holidaying before you've really brought that to to life the, the story about the sunbeds and thinking will the weight you know will you be supported with your weight a lot of people have come on and gina has as well talking about the the, the flights ab- abroad but i've never really thought about that for somebody like you've just explained being super obese thinking before you go and eat a meal will the chair support me and that, that's something that's not even crossed my mind so now you're well on your way with your weight loss how much have you lost in total from starting Um, so as of last week uh it was 12 stone one and a half and then obviously because of the situation at the moment then there's no slimming world i don't know where i currently stand uh, as of yet because obviously i was unable to weigh last week i will be weighing at home but it's not going to be an accurate weight loss so i won't record it on on my instagram or anything until I know, because I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to me, and I don't think it's fair for other people to yeah. sort but, of look at. But recognising that you've lost twelve stone one and a half pound is such an amazing achievement, isn't it? Do you feel really accomplished 
I know you're not at the end where you want to be, but do you feel accomplished? Because that, that, is, that is such a big weight loss. It's such an achievement. Do you, do you feel that? Or um, like some of the guests that I've had on, have felt it takes a time for your mind to actually catch up with the changes in, in your body and what you see in the mirror? I, I mean, I only really see a difference if I, you know, if I do a face-to-face Friday or whatever on, on Instagram or, uh, you know, if I have the comparison photos, but it's still inside. I still sometimes feel that I'm still the same person. I mean, yeah, it is, it's massive. And when you start to go, well, in what ways has it impacted your life and what's changed? It's not the big stuff I remember. It's the tiny little details that actually a lot of people forget when you're big. Those are the things that have made the biggest impact for me. It has been monumental change. I remember my mum when I got to sort of 10 stone something lost and she said, you've lost a me. You know, I was like, well, okay. And I remember my nieces along the way going, oh, you know, you've lost, you've lost us, you've lost me and you've lost... It. And so when I've got people in my group now that are target at 10 stone or 11 stone or 12 stone and they go no honestly you've lost the whole us that's when you kind of go wow this is okay I've obviously if I was carrying that person around all day could I do it probably not you know you'd be exhausted mm. in and I've always always worked full-time you know not been not been in a position where being overweight stopped me doing anything it just made me uncomfortable to to do stuff if you know what I mean so I'll I've never used my weight as an excuse not to, to, to do any, anything. I've just done it uncomfortably and, and soldiered on and, and kind of regretted it afterwards, I guess. Mm. So have you found a new, a new energy that, that allows you to do more things now? Do you feel the grogginess that you can feel when you have extra weight has gone? Um, yeah, I mean, just silly things really. Like, I mean, the the best thing that I've been bought actually um, was a was a smart band, a health band. There's lots of brands out there, so I'm not going to yes. name the obvious one. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> and it's surprising. It's almost um, with me and my partner now. It's a daily conversation of oh, what steps you on? You know, how many steps you on? What, what mm. how many steps you done today? And it's not it's not a bit of friendly rivalry because she always destroys me on steps. She's far more <laughs> active during the week than I am. On a weekend, it's a total role reversal. My steps are way higher than her but who cares about number of steps but actually i i am quite active now if if i leave something upstairs and i get downstairs before i'd have gone oh i'll leave that until i'm forced to go back upstairs because the mm. dread of walking up 14 steps to, to go and do it was was not worth the hassle whatever i'd left up there could stay up there for hours now i can be running up and down the stairs two or three times being a man and keep forgetting stuff and having to go back up for the thing that I forgot in the first place. I, but I can do that two or three times now without even thinking about it. Oh, you know, I need to run up and get my slippers. No worries, I'll run up and get my slippers. Oh, I forgot my wallet. I'll run back upstairs and get my wallet. It's just, whereas before, no, just would not have happened. Wow. I'd, have, I'd have been pleading with uh, my partner <laughs> to go do it or I'd have maybe done it once and moaned about it. So how has this impacted your relationship? Do you feel that having this weight loss and now you've got this banter over steps do you feel that this has has brought you closer together as a couple i'm not going to lie and say yes we've both changed so as i said before uh, she doesn't attend group but she is a hundred percent on the journey with me and i've been really really lucky and i've never hidden the fact that mel is the brains behind the operation she does the food shopping 
she cooks 99.9% of the meals that I eat. She works out the sin values of a lot of stuff. And so I just go along with the process and it works for me. But she's lost four stone and a bit. So, yeah, we are, we are more active together. We go out for walks now, something we never did before, unless walking around Aldi or Little Counters. Yeah. You know, we, we, we were out this weekend walking the dog. So it has, yeah, it has changed that a little bit. We're looking at getting a dog in the summer. Another, uh, we, we currently dog sit, but we're looking at getting okay. a dog because we've realised that they keep you active. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it, it has changed how we are. And obviously it's been nice to see as both sort of a refinding our old wardrobes but also buying new clothes as well definitely and i'm sure like lots of people i've got clothes that will fit me five stone lighter and i've also got clothes that still fit me you know i've got clothes in my wardrobe right up to the fact that fitted me when i first started my journey so um, it's nice to you know go out and find new clothes and go shopping for fun stuff whereas before when you beg if you are going shopping it's a chore Definitely. So when you first started, you mentioned before we started the recording that you was a 7XL. And yeah. are you going to keep any of those shirts as a as a momentum when um, you get to Target? Yeah, I'm, I think the stereotypical tight northerner um, or midlandser. Um, <laughs> I hate throwing stuff away. So I, the biggest criticism I get now of people is I wish you'd wear clothes that fit. Uh, everybody at group calls me for it because I still wear a lot of my T-shirts that are way too baggy or right. my joggy bottoms that, that fitted me five stone ago, or uh, the clothes that I was wearing when I was um, starting weight obviously don't fit. I say I'll keep those those memory tops or those memory bottoms just to go, wow, you know, these were snug fit before. But I have, I, I've kept meaning to do it for a little while now, go through and actually bin or charity shop, lots of the stuff that some of, some of which has never been worn, some of which has been bought along the downsizing journey and it's maybe fitted for a month or two and is now already too big to wear. So do you enjoy then shopping now? Is it a pleasure to go out and get some treat clothes for yourself? Clothing sizes is, I mean, I'm preaching to the converted, I know, but clothing sizes are so annoying because there are brands out there that you can be uh, one size and then you can look at another brand and they can very massively so mm. you could say oh, i'm a 7xl but in other stuff i was really a 4xl or a 5xl some stuff i was a 9xl so now mm. i know that i can go into it and so when you're that big you obviously can't go into supermarket and buy clothes you can't go into any clothes shop they are specialist shops or you're buying online so you end up living in joggy bottoms t-shirts um anything elasticated waist whereas now i'm going back in you know as part of the food shop nipping into the, the clothes section at Asda or ooh, just a little cheeky top or a little you know buy those or I'll get that pair of jeans or and I'm still looking at the back of the rail because that's where I am in my journey but before I wouldn't have even bothered to go to Asda because why would I go up in the clothes section nothing no. other than socks and pants would have fitted. Fantastic so where do you see your target if you just want to talk a bit about that? Yeah so I've never set a, a target and the reason I've not set a target is I think I'll know when I get there. So part of it is I know a lot of people when they, um, when they start Slimmer World, how they, they start a weight loss thing and go, oh, I want to be, you know, X weight because I've got this picture of me 
on holiday in Spain and I was X weight and I looked fantastic. Well, that's that's fine for me. The last time I was this weight was 20 years ago. So for me to go any lower, I will be looking back almost pretty much a stone a year was my my, my target. But you know what I was doing in my 20s. So I will be looking back at weights when I was 17, 18, by the time mm. I get to target. Nothing Gosh. points the same way it did when I was 17 or 18. Um, <laughs> you know, there is obviously excess skin. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm not the same person. I'm, I'm just dead. So I could look at a picture of me at, at sort of 17 stone and say, that's what I want to look like. But the reality is I'm never going to be a 17-year-old weighing 17 stone again. I'm going to be a 41-year-old man weighing 17 stone. And so I've got to be happy with wherever I get to when I get there and I think in my head that that number will be somewhere between 15 and 18 stone but I won't know it until I'm there there. yeah so that's why I don't know how far away I am from target I know I'm close and I know I'm closer than I was last year and I'm certainly a lot closer than I was before I started I'm literally going to group and I will say the week it happens I am now at target this is me now I'm happy that's great and I think it's quite a a practical approach to have and it's a, it's a common sense approach to have and I think it's quite refreshing to hear a guy talking about body emerging and weight loss and, and kind of recognising that but not being overwhelmingly stressed at the fact that this has happened and a lot of ladies that I do speak to that that is the one thing that is is clearly on their mind that they've got this excess skin um, and they're not particularly happy with the body that they have af- after weight loss. So how have you come to be at peace with that? Because, uh, so obviously, people are going to look at you for whatever they're going to look at you. So they're going to look at you and comment because you're big, or they're going to look at you and comment because you've got a bit of excess skin. You can't have it both ways. You know, you can choose what what people look at you for and what they're going to people if people are going to be nasty they're going to be nasty rather people make comment of the fact that i've got some loose skin and some wobbly bits then go oh my god look at him he's you know he's really fat or whatever they're going to say i've never not bothered you know if we go on holiday i've always took my top off i don't really care um i do i do care but ultimately they're not people that see you in the street on holiday are not the people that matter they are total strangers that you're probably never going to see again and actually who cares you know if that was the opinions of family and friends and stuff and they were saying nasty then there won't be family or friends no but when you're on holiday they are strangers so just if you can become happy with it then then you can start to become happy now i was going to the pool and swimming when i was quite heavy and not quite my starting weight but not far off and so the thing that you realise very quickly is nobody is actually looking at you. When you get in a pool, people are more bothered about their own body image than worrying about yours. Mm. You know, there's very few people that when you get in a pool are going, oh my God, look at him. When they're, what they're actually thinking is, oh, do I look that bad? Or, you know, it, whatever they're thinking about you is actually more about where they are themselves. Definitely. And it's nice that you've got that viewpoint and that you've you've made that, that connection because obviously a lady like Mel that gets all the food in and does all these lovely meals is that's that's the uh, you need to be focusing on that that relationship not about yeah. people that are strangers 
and uh, we'll see you in a fleeting glance on a holiday. You, you know, walk past or maybe they're in the pool with you. So it's nice that you, you've made that connection. And it's, it's all about mindset, isn't it? It's about what we choose to believe, what stories we decide to tell ourselves and just to have an injection of, of positivity and, and getting off that gerbil wheel, isn't it? One of the things that always, you know, I've kind of tried to have at the back of my mind all the time for the last year is, you know, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And, and so, like you say, the stories that we tell ourselves are the truth. So if I, if I tell myself that nobody's looking and nobody's looking, if I tell myself that everybody's looking, then of course that's also true. So like you say, whether you think you can, whether you think you can't, you're right. Um, mm. It's just what you tell yourself exactly definitely so for anybody that's listened to this podcast that would like to follow you on instagram what is your instagram handle oh it's quite long um but <laughs> it's in my head it's really easy but it's uh, it's fat underscore matt underscore two underscore fab underscore matt but it's basically fab matt fat matt to fab matt with lots of underscores in the middle <laughs> Very good. I think that's the longest Instagram handle I've had so far. So well done for that. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining me today. And I, I do believe that your story will inspire and help others. And it's nice that I've now got guys coming onto the podcast and sharing their stories. I think it's generally harder for men to open up and to be honest about their stories. So thank you so much. You've been a pleasure to say hello to Mel. She sounds like a fantastic lady. She and is. maybe we'll have Mel on as well. That'd be nice, wouldn't it, to get the couple on? It would, yeah. Yeah, she'll tell you, she'll tell you the real story, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Reveal some secrets. All right, you take care then, Matt. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. I hope this has helped you. I hope this has motivated you to make some changes next week with your own health and your own fitness. And I think, you know, it must have been really difficult with all those stones ahead of Matt to think I've got all of this to lose I have so much weight to lose and just to keep on week in week out losing the weight and I know every slimming story is different and everybody's journey is different if we can just focus our mind on keeping up the momentum regardless of whether it's a maintain half a pound loss a pound loss how many times have we got on the scales thinking Oh, I've done all that and I've lost a pound. I've done all that and I've maintained. Why have I maintained? And then we get angry and we get we get crossed don't we, with the scales. But the fact is that Matt's just continued through his weight loss journey of being consistent and is lost over 12 stone as a result of that. Over 12 stone, that is such... I mean, that's like a whole, whole person, isn't it? It's lost a whole person and it truly is remarkable. So until next week... You take care and I'll hope to be back with another inspiring story.